from Beyond the Outer Rim Holomag, I'm Lannis Locke, and you're listening to Beings of the Galaxy. Often the sentiment around birthdays is to be humble, that we shouldn't proudly celebrate them. Constantly I hear, oh, I'm not big on birthdays, you don't have to celebrate mine, or I don't like surprises, no need to throw parties or celebrations. But me? I love birthdays. And I love mine most. I don't want to spend just one rotation celebrating my birthday. I want to spend the week celebrating. I want the entire galaxy to know that that day is my day, and no one can take it from me. My family wasn't wealthy, so I never had large parties growing up. But when I turned 18, a very important birthday on Crastily, my parents surprised me with a trip aboard Shangri-La Starline's Halcyon. I could hardly believe it. It was most definitely the best birthday ever. My friends and I spent a week aboard the cruiser doing what all 18-year-olds without parents present do on vacation. Activities I will not disclose on Beings of the Galaxy for fear of more severe repercussions in terms of my employment. Let's just say I remember 90% of my trip, and I'm told it's a pity I don't remember that remaining 10% because it's said to have been memorable. I looked forward to this birthday more than I had any other birthday before it. I believed it would be transformative, that my life would be separated in two, before Halcyon and after Halcyon. Did it? Not necessarily no, but one of the highlights of the trip was meeting people from all walks of life and hearing their stories. So, in a sense, perhaps it was a contributing factor to the reason why I'm speaking to you right now. My 18th birthday may not have been as transformative an experience as I initially believed it would be, but for girls on the Forest World Panthus, turning 15 is perhaps one of, if not the most important birthday in their lives. When a Pantheon girl turned 15, her family would throw her a blossoming. Tradition held that girls entered adulthood at the age of 15, which thus called for a large celebration. Prior to this celebration, however, the bud, as the birthday girl was called, would take a series of classes preparing her for the blossoming. She would be assigned a mentor who would guide her through the process and teach her about herself, the importance of the ceremony, and how it would affect her future. When her 15th birthday finally arrived, the bud would be ready. The day would begin with the blossoming ceremony. The bud would wear a gown of white and walk down a long aisle. At the end of the aisle, she'd be met by her mentor. When the bud made it to her mentor, she would kneel and allow the mentor to speak to her character. The ceremony would conclude after the bud made a vow of womanhood, one she had written during her time in the blossoming classes. Now, the Pantheons were notorious for their parties. Directly following the blossoming ceremony, All guests would follow the family in a caravan of speeders to the reception, where they would party well into the next morning. However, before the party began, the father, or patriarch in the bud's life, would give a speech to welcome the guests and to honor the bud. This was the second most important part of the evening. 
It symbolized an acknowledgement of the bud's step into womanhood, a letting go of attachment to her. It was believed that the bud would not be able to fully blossom into womanhood should she be tied down by said attachments. And thus, the speech would sever said attachments and the bud would be free to, well, blossom. Because of this, the speeches were often quite emotional and powerful. Recently, a colleague of mine from Panthus found footage of her late grandmother's blossoming. She kindly shared the holovid with me, knowing how excited I'd be over the old footage. As soon as I watched it, I knew I could not keep this to myself, but needed to share it with you. And thus, I present to you Gemmeline Dethal's blossoming, and more specifically, her father, Chuwe Dethal's speech. Hello, everyone. Please don't stop beating on my account. Can everyone hear me? It's so good to see all of you. On behalf of Hanha and myself, we are proud to welcome you all to Gemeline's Blossoming. My name is Chue Dothal, and I am Gemeline's father. It is my honor to speak about her this evening. Fifteen years ago, we were given the best gift, Gemeline Dothal. She came into this world making sure everyone knew she had arrived. I swear they could hear her cries off-world. Hanha was a rock through her entire delivery. I would like to assure you I had remained calm and collected during her birth, but frankly, that would be a lie. I didn't pass out, thank the force. But I did have to sit down. <laughs> But all that melted away the moment I saw your face, Jimmy. And when I held you in my arms, whoo, joy unlike any kind of joy I'd ever experienced. I was the happiest I had ever been when you came into the world, my child. And I knew in that moment that you would go on to accomplish wonders. And in your 15 years, accomplished wonders you have. From a young age, Jimmy has been very clear, and I mean very clear, about the big things she was going to do with her life. When she was just two, Jimmy climbed into my speeder and demanded I give her the keys so she could be the first child her age to discover a new planet. At six, after her first day of school, Jimmy waltzed into our home, marched right up to me, and told me she was going to be a headmistress because she wanted to and I quote, boss everyone around. <laughs> it felt right. Don't worry, Gemmeline. You're not that bossy. Gemmeline will tell you she's not bossy at all. She's just direct. Well, she's right. She's absolutely direct. She knows what she wants and will stop at nothing to get it. I didn't fully realize how driven she was until one day when she was eight 
Jimmy came home and told us she had applied to travel with the Panthers Relief Agency to help relocate refugees displaced from their homes on Mari after a devastating meteor storm struck the planet. She told us she would be going no matter what, and she wasn't asking us for our permission, but simply explaining what she was going to do. I remember Hanha and I looking at each other, at a loss for words. We wanted to protest, but the look Gemeline gave us told us debate was pointless. And so, rather than fight back, I signed up with Gemeline and followed my daughter to Mari. The planet was destroyed. It was hard to stomach all that devastation. Pain hung in the air around us, seeped into your bones. You couldn't take one step without sensing the tremendous grief the people were experiencing. I remember when our shuttle landed at camp and we were hit with that wave of pain. I looked at Gemeline. I was ready to comfort her, to be her rock as she struggled with what I was struggling with in that moment. But much to my surprise, Gemeline walked right off that shuttle and right up to a group of children playing with a meteor rock. She introduced herself and asked if she could play with them. They were shy at first, but they warmed to Gemeline as soon as she flashed her brightest smile. In minutes, the children in Gemeline were laughing loudly, their joy floating through the dark camp. It was infectious. She was healing. Not physically, but spiritually. Healing the air, healing the morale of the people. From that moment on, People clung to Gemeline, hungry to share in her joy. It was hard work on Mari, but Gemeline never lost her spirit. She served and worked with the fervor I've yet to see in most adults. There was a fire in Gemeline's eyes that told me nothing could stop her from helping those people. Nothing could stop her from helping anyone, period. And so I decided in that moment, I would never stand in her way. I don't think I understood what that commitment truly meant until this day. To never stand in Gemeline's way means letting her go. Letting go of my attachment to her to give her the chance to fully blossom into womanhood. Ask anyone, but I am not good at letting go. Ask my wife, right honey? Hanha has stories for you about my attachment issues. And now I'm being asked to let go of the person who means the most to me? I think there's a specific reason why blossomings are held only for girls. Yes, it may be to teach them how to become women or how to be independent and go out into the world on their own. But the blossoming is also a chance for their parents to recognize it is time to let go. Because if we could, we would hold on to our daughters forever. It's human, right? To want to hold on to our girls more tightly than our boys? To want to fiercely protect them in a galaxy that does not take care of them the way we do? But our girls deserve the galaxy. They deserve the chance to go out and make spectacular mistakes, to chase the futures they want, to live large, great lives. And how can they do that if they're held back by their parents? How can Gemeline change the galaxy in the way I know she will if she's held back by me? So no, the blossoming isn't just for Gemeline. 
It's for me to gather my nerves, to look at my daughter, and to say this. Gemeline Dothal, my moon. It's hard to believe you're just turning 15. There is so much ahead of you, my daughter. There is no limit to the good you will do in this galaxy. There is no limit to the amount of light you will shed, the joy you will bring, the lives you will change. I am so proud to be your father. Thank you for giving me the gift to watch you grow. This is only the beginning, my moon. Go be great. Be extraordinary and be so uniquely you. You have been born for a time such as this and you will accomplish wonders. On today, Jimeline Dothal's 15th birthday, I, Chue Dothal, let go. I let my daughter blossom into the woman she is meant to be. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you, Gemeline Dothal. Jebeline Dethal went on to live the grand life her father wanted for her. Soon after finishing her studies, Jemeline, filled with a fire to fight against injustice, worked closely with the refugee relief movement, rescuing countless people displaced by the Confederacy of Independent Systems during the Clone Wars. It was only natural that during the height of the Empire, Jemeline would align herself with the Rebellion. She fought tirelessly for those who could not fight for themselves, but she never lost her spark of joy while doing so. It's been said that her laugh could be heard echoing through the base on Yavin 4, bringing a moment of relief and a ray of light to the darkness of war. As the years passed, Gemeline continued her good work across the galaxy, and back on Pantha, Chue cheered her on. He'd always tune in to the news nets to hear reports about the kind-hearted Panthen who gave her life to serve the galaxy. The pride would swell in Chue's heart as he watched his daughter live that big, spectacular life he had desired for her. A joy he came to realize he would not have been able to experience had he not made that promise to let her go all those years ago. That's the funny thing about attachment, I guess. You think you're making this grand declaration of love, but really losing yourself in attachment keeps you from seeing the bigger picture. It prevents you from fully enjoying someone because you've spent your entire life afraid of losing that person rather than celebrating what you've had. It's hard, believe me. When I speak about attachment, I speak from experience. Having struggled with it myself, I admired Chuwei's commitment, the commitment of all the Panthen fathers. They've discovered a rare kind of freedom so many of us crave. At the end of the day, it all comes down to choice. 
Will we choose to remain locked in attachments that blind us from the beauty of life? Or will we make a choice to let go and to celebrate all that was and is to come? Thanks for joining me, Lana Slock, your host for another episode of Beings of the Galaxy, a Beyond the Outer Rim Holomag production, bringing you the stories of the everyday people who make up our galaxy far, far away. We'll see you next time.